You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. Today we present Part 5 of Cortez at Ferry Creek in Their Own Words, a Cortez Current special feature. This is the final installment of this story, which has been told in a series of half-hour segments. All of these segments are available as podcasts on cortezcurrents.ca for your listening convenience. Most of us are probably aware of the protest and blockade at Ferry Creek on Vancouver Island. For over a year, forest defenders have blocked a logging road to prevent logging company Teal Jones from cutting intact old-growth areas. For this special feature, I did a little oral history with seven local people who went to Ferry Creek to join that blockade. After a public appeal for interviewees, I managed to schedule recording dates with Margaret, Aaron, Caitlin, Maya, and Danny from Blue Jay Lake Farm, and with Cease and Christine from Whaletown. Their voices have been woven together to create a narrative from multiple points of view. I'd like to thank our interviewees, sincerely, for taking the time to tell their stories. I hope this series will convey something of how it felt to be there, on the ground, at Ferry Creek. And I hope our listeners will find these first-hand accounts as fascinating and as revealing as I did during interviews. In this final episode, I ask our interviewees what they brought home with them from Ferry Creek. What did they learn? How were they changed by the journey? I can't think of anything off the bat that was something that I didn't already have an idea about, but it definitely reinforced a few things like distrust of the police or just like, you know, this idea that... The police are not here to protect our interests and safety and security as Canadians, but rather the corporate military industrial complex that underlies everything, which obviously is, you know, not new information, but really drove that point home. And just how, like, corporations run the world. And, you know, these are things that I've studied before and was aware of, but to have such a concrete, in-your-face, personal example of it, it's just, yeah, everything is about money and greed and immediate profit over long-term health. And yeah, it's just sad that it's disillusioning also. And a lot of people who are out there long-term have experienced an immense amount of trauma at the hands of the police, which there has to be a good side of it in terms of maybe it's making a lot of people more aware of things that have absolutely been happening for a long time, but more in the dark and unless you're looking at them, they, they go unnoticed largely by a lot of the greater society, so... Hopefully the trauma is not all for nothing and that it's educating people about what a lot of people go through. Yeah, it's just so intense. 
the role of the RCMP in protecting corporate interests has been, I think, revealed to a wider group of people than maybe understood it before. Do you feel like that connection was really obvious to you before you ever went there? I think I knew it, but you see it. Sometimes it takes repetition for something to really deeply sink in. I guess it opened my eyes to a world that I actually wasn't aware of. And oh, which world is I mean, <laughs> took me a long time, I'll admit it. But living here on Cortez, it's not hard to be under the impression that there's a lot of good people in the world and it's, it's a good place to be and people care. And then going to Fairy Creek, realizing just how few people actually have the energy or the time or the knowledge or whatever it is that is required to, to do something. And it's not just the people at Fairy Creek. I know people who have been writing letters and talking to people and trying to spread the message in many different ways. And I guess it's hard to see just how big the capitalist system is and how much is invested in it and how insane it is and how it continues. That's heartbreaking. When you can see that it's continuing straight out a brick wall and there's no intention to hit the brakes. Well, it's not a brick wall. That's the unfortunate part. It's, it's people. Mm-hmm. It's system. It's, it's the Fairy Creek protesters that it's hitting and churning and spitting out. And, and these, like I said before, and these are the very people that we need to be at the leadership of, of what's going to change things. And that's not being respected or acknowledged or, or valued in any way. It's definitely, it's motivated me to learn a lot more about my rights under the Canadian law, which I found are not that easy to figure out necessarily and would be something that maybe should be taught to us a lot more in schools, what our rights are Mm -hmm. under the law. Because I was like, I had a catch and release arrest, which they call kidnappings and no paperwork, no nothing, just get put in a police car and dropped off somewhere else. And mm-hmm. it's hard to even know like what to do about that. So I've learned a lot about my rights or I'm like trying to learn more about my rights and trying to learn more about how the RCMP functions and learn more about forestry in general, because it's all well and good to like disagree with something. But if you don't actually know the details of it, you don't have a very good foot to stand on to have informed conversations with people. I guess that is the side of my experience that sticks out for me the most. I I really come away from Fairy Creek with a far deeper understanding of such as it is even now, but of, of the the pain, what we've put the indigenous people through and and what I what they live through every day you know, and and other people of color as well. So Bill and I and the the young indigenous fella and these two frontline defenders drove up to the top and and it was a wonderful trip because Bill was so excited. He he said, I haven't been in here for years and years, you know, and, and we talked all the way in and all the way out about fishing and creeks and 
his boyhood and my boyhood and how and how in the, the similarity between the two just playing in the bush and chasing trout and you know and enjoying well our good fortune to grow up in a beautiful place and there were yeah a little bit of sadness too because he was a little bit saddened by how much it had changed and because we were driving through areas that had been logged and he was talking about how the creeks were bouldered in was his term you know he said the trees come off the hills and then the rocks all rolls and fill in the creek bed where i was opened up was listening to some of those land acknowledgements because you know most of us are used to hearing that well i acknowledge that we we're living on the etc etc right but several times there was an indigenous individual, some of them local, some of them visitors, who stepped forward and actually interrupted and said, excuse me, you know, I'm going to teach you how to do a real land acknowledgement. Because quite frankly, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, then they would pour their hearts out and then it was beautiful. It's so easy just to say, yeah, 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 but you know, give it time, it'll all go away, and, you know, we'll all learn, and they'll get over it, and, but, I mean, that's what I used to think, I used to think, well, yes, there's been terrible injustice done, but you can't change the past, so let's get on with it, let's focus on the future, let's let it go, that's really easy for a guy like me to say, you know, these people are walking around every day on ground that we took away from them, you know, and which we keep most of, most of the benefits of for ourselves. And they live that every day. You can't expect them to just let it go. It's no wonder they're in pain and, and, and angry, you know, and I understand that. Particularly when they see us vandalizing what we took, it's not like we're taking care of it. Well, exactly. That would help, wouldn't it? But anyway, frankly... Overall, they, they react with an amazing amount of thoughtfulness and grace considering what we put them through. So that's, that's largely what, I, what I, I took away from it. I've been studying ecology lately and just how much space is needed to protect a biodiversity you know, it's it's not a bunch of isolated fragments of old growth that is needed. It's huge chunks of interconnected, protected areas that, you know, without those, like the species that depend on the forests, can't, you know, properly live out their existence. Your body doesn't work very well if we put your spleen over in the kitchen and your kidneys in the bathroom and your heart in the garage. Yeah. Exactly. And I think from a population ecology standpoint, like the health of populations depends not only on each creature having, you know, some space, enough space to live, but also on the dynamics of how genetically species intermingle with one another and keep their populations healthy and robust and to limit that too much has, you know, extinction effects down the line that we are still quite unaware of. And, um, you know, understanding ecology is such a complex thing. We have very little grasp of, of it. I think it's important to protect as much as possible. Do you feel like being at Fairy Creek gave you more interest in studying 
ecosystems and learning more about that? It definitely, something I was interested in before, but it definitely drove home some of the urgency around these issues. You know, I know there were a lot of scientists up there doing studies and trying to like go through the protection of species route to kind of, you know, they had their side of the battle. And I think that's an important perspective. If you want to work in conservation and, and argue for these forests, then you need to know what you're basing your argument on. I do think that we need it all. I don't think the bureaucracy and science, they work at such long time frames that, you know, we don't have time to wait for those kind of channels to become effective. But I do think we need them f- to lend some like legitimacy in some ways to, you know, the reasons behind what we're doing. Is there something else you really want to add that you just would like to share with people? Yeah, I guess that there, I mean, there is strength in numbers. And I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the, there's a movement in the border of Mexico and America. can't remember what it's called now. Anyways, they would, they were denying Mexicans access to come in. And so they, people were going through the desert and like dying in the desert. So people would go and like get them and help them and bring them. And the one person had called it a civil initiative and instead of civil disobedience because it's you're doing what enacting what the government had promised you what they were elected on and or even just what is right i think that it's you know the laws are laws but they're not always good ones and so i think it's important to create the world that we want and do that through civil initiative hmm. for a long time i've already had the feeling that the world is not going in a direction that i agree with and that I don't feel protected by the system. I feel like I need to make my own way away from that. And a lot of that in my life has been basically trying to run away, trying to get somewhere safe, far away from it. And I would say after going to Fairy Creek, it's the first time in my life that I felt like I want to bring other people into that, you know? Like, I don't want to just make myself safe. I want to create safe places for other things, you know? I want to protect, like, outside of myself, rather than just run away. And even if it doesn't work, because what's scary about fighting that fight is that it's it's hard, you know? And you lose a lot of the time. And you lose things that become really dear to you. There's a lot of personal sacrifice involved. But I think standing up and trying to protect is already the most important thing that you could be doing. And even if you lose, I think that fight is so worth fighting. And I think Fairy Creek opened my eyes to that. Um, And there were lots of fights that I lost there, you know, but every moment that I was there, I felt like I was doing something important, even if it wasn't working. I didn't get a lot of things done that I wanted to get done. And it really felt like an uphill battle the whole time. You know, two nights of hiking out Mm. in the rain, carrying heavy equipment just to come back down and do nothing, you know, Mm. failed missions every time. Mm. So I'm glad that I, I like even me just talking about how even if it fails, it's important to fight this fight. When I, I, I came back out and down to headquarters, for me, I felt that I would be returning to Ferry Creek and, and I've not been able to since that time in, in, in late June for various reasons. And life happens and family happens. And, and so, you know, your question of what did I come home with? Because I feel it's an unfinished chapter in my life 
And I kept thinking that I would go and the, the tote with all of the camping stuff was still there so that it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't unpack. I felt that I viewed the months of July and August and September and still happening. I viewed it through the lens of Fairy Creek. What is happening there? It's a community that you leave, but I think it's, I think very few people go and leave and aren't touched by it in some way. And so I think that it's very hard for somebody to go to Fairy Creek and come back and feel it's a finished chapter that they won't go again. So I would say that that's what I came home with. I, I feel part of me is still there and we continue to support in the ways that we're able to. And would I go back again? Yes, I would. I don't know. I guess just if you have any doubt for getting involved in something that it's worth it's worth it. The risks and the the time spent and the resources and the energy is worth, you know, having been part of something. Just it can impact your life in ways that you might not foresee. Like that's a good reminder for myself, you know, that me hiking up that mountain doesn't mean nothing, you know, it means everything, really. You've just been listening to part five, the final installment of Cortez at Ferry Creek in their own words, an oral history with Cortez locals who went to Ferry Creek to join the forest defenders. All five episodes of this program are available as podcasts on CortezCurrents.ca. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. As always, thanks for listening. And if you would like to find out what's been happening at Fairy Creek this fall, in the weeks and months since our interviewees came home, stay tuned. In the following half hour, we'll present an update.